Let's get our Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Excited to be with you today and expectant as well. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Last week we mentioned that we are launching our Timothy groups, pouring in to the next generation with as much intention as ever. And so we are looking for mid-teens to mid-twenties to be signing up. You know what I'm so encouraged by? Um, so far, uh, we've had 70, 70 young people sign up to be involved in Timothy groups on one level or another. Today is the last day for registration, okay? So that is... Uh, greatly encouraging for us. There's an active decision and desire to be discipled intentionally by pastors and leaders within our church. Here's the thing. Out of the 70 young men and women who signed up, 50 of them are women. That's good. Amen. That's so good. 20 of them are young men. And so young men, this is maybe a call for you right now that you will not let the women outpace you too much. All right? And you have today, today, maybe you've been thinking, thinking, there's some fear. I know there's some fear there. Listen, listen, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-control, right? Faith, faith, overcoming fear to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go, Lord, let's do it. You call those young men to sign up. And we're delighted to be able to pour into so many in this way in the coming weeks. God, use it powerfully. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, you'll be encouraged by our sermon title this weekend. Whether you're here in person, whether you're watching at home, God bless you today. Again, great faith, God is going to meet you. Here is our sermon title. Who needs some encouragement? Who needs, all in favor? Who needs some encouragement? Anyone here needs some encouragement? Hey, come on here. Don't leave me up here. You want some encouragement? If you don't, then you don't. But I do. I do. Let's go then. We need some encouragement. And I will be honest. I do need some encouragement. 2020 has been nutso. Amen? It's been nutso. And there's still three months left, right? It's been nutso. But spiritual encouragement always wanted and needed. And the best encouragement is the Lord's encouragement. And where does the Lord's encouragement come from? It comes from his word. It comes from his presence. And that's why it's so good to be together right now. So so encouraging to be encouraged together in church, in the word, in fellowship, in the presence of the Lord, to sing, to pray, to listen, to engage, to love one another, to be encouraged by his presence, speaking, filling, blessing, uniting, uplifting. Yes, Lord, let's do that. Again, thinking of Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Stir up one another to love and good works, right? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more As the day, the return of Jesus Christ draws near. Man, we need to be encouraged to encourage one another in times such as these. Again, huge faith for those watching right now at home. And God be blessing and working and all those here and overflow maybe too right now. Let's pray. Let's pray for that. Father, I I come to you and I just hold up to you again your word. Your word, Lord. Your word that says you desire to bless and show favor and to restore and to renew and to encourage your children. Your word that says you will never leave us. Your word that says that we are to be seeking to be filled with the spirit of God, Lord. Your word that holds up promise after promise after promise of your grace, your goodness, your faithfulness, your love, your strength upon your church, your glory, your provision of power, your loveliness, your perfection. God, today, 
God, whether there's three people here or 300 or 3,000 watching, God, I don't care. I just pray you will move. You will act. You will cause your church, Lord, to sense and believe. Raise up people to pray with me now, I pray, God. Would you do that? Men, women, and children, believing by faith all that you desire to do in times like this. God, you know you've led me time and time again in recent days to be asking for a, a spirit of revival upon your church and renewal and restoration. I just can't let it go. So God, do it. Save many. Have mercy on the arrogant. Have mercy on those who don't believe. Have mercy upon those who hate you right now. That they may turn and embrace Jesus Christ by faith and be saved and see and live. And then praise God for the glory that is found in the forgiveness of sins only in Jesus. God, would you do that now? Do that now, Lord. Work in this time. We pray together. Church, we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go, 8.30 service. Let's go. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 8. Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. George just read this, which is so great. I'll take my turn too. The offspring of David has preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Isn't that encouraging? Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's encouraging. And he's like, hey, Timothy, here's an encouraging saying. You can, you can trust it. This saying is trustworthy. If we have died, we will also live with him. Isn't that encouraging? If we endure, we will also reign with him. That's a pretty cool promise. That's encouraging. Here's some sobering promises here. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because his character is awesome. For he cannot deny himself. We're going to take this passage today. We're going to take four encouragements from this text on this Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, may the Lord bless you personally. I mean that with everything I have. May the Lord bless you personally. Like, again, I don't know if you're sitting in church today and you just think it's the right thing to do, whatever. I'm just praying that the Lord will interact with you personally. Like, he will overwhelm you with grace and goodness. I love that and the faith that is here. And just, oh, every man, woman, child, man, he's coming after you in love. He's coming after you right now. You can't run from him. You can try. He's going to hunt you down and, and pour grace all over you. He's going to hold you down and, and drench you with love and mercy. Isn't that awesome? It's what he does. You can run, but you can't hide. You can't hide from the Holy Spirit of God. All those watching right now, man, don't you dare turn the channel, amen, right? He's coming for you too. He's coming for you too because he loves you so much. Four encouragements. Encouragement number one today is this, ready? If you remember anything, remember Jesus Christ. If you remember anything in this life, remember Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Timothy, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as priest in my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, young Timothy, young Timothy, listen, this is my student. You have to remember Jesus Christ. Rivet your attention, rivet your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Why? Because if you remember anything, remember that Jesus is everything. He's everything. So I tell my kids so often since they were really young, kids, whatever you do in life, whatever you do in life, love Jesus like crazy. If you do one thing in life, give all your heart, love Jesus like crazy, because in the end, he's all you need, man. In the end, he is everything. 
He is satisfaction and glory and goodness. He is the path and way to eternal life. No one else, no one else can make you such promises. Jesus Christ is everything. So some pastoral transparency for you today. This past season, these past several months has likely been one of the most burdensome for me from a leadership perspective in certain ways. Many of my pastoral colleagues are suffering. Some have literally resigned. Some have been sidelined in despair. Others are exhausted in division across this world. I look at this world right now and none of it makes sense. Who can you trust? What can you trust? Where can you look? I know where you can look. Jesus Christ is who you can trust. Jesus Christ is the one who is faithful. Jesus Christ is the, is the definition of safety and satisfaction. So right now, man, in the midst of this crazy world and crazy time, the safest place I know is open Bible and running to Jesus Christ. This I can trust. He I can trust. There's no place I'd rather be sitting in my chair in the dark in the morning. Again, a tiny little light, Bible open. There I am and taking deep spiritual breaths saying, Jesus Christ, you are my life. You I can trust. The only place I know that's truly saved. It's so wonderful. It's such a, a truth of comfort for me and healing in the midst of such insanity. Jesus Christ is the definition, the way, the truth, and the life. If you remember anything, remember Jesus Christ. In verse 9 here, Paul's not so much telling Timothy to remember Jesus. Or verse 8, remember uh, Jesus risen from the dead as a historical fact. It's not what Paul's doing with Timothy. He knows, again, it's obviously an historical fact. Rather, what Paul is doing to Timothy, he's like, hey, Timothy, remember Jesus Remember Jesus, guys. Remember Jesus is alive in that sense. Remember Jesus is victory. Remember Jesus is Lord. That's what he's saying. Timothy, remember Jesus Christ because there's a lot of suffering out there. But be encouraged, Timothy, because Jesus is undefeated. He is the one you look to. He is reigning victorious right now. I mean, honestly, aren't you so thankful to know Jesus Christ? Aren't you so thankful? Again, if you are alive today and you belong to him, aren't you so thankful that he is your God that is victorious and perfect and awesome and again coming back for you? Just, just dwell on that for a second. So many billions in this world cannot say that. But if you're saved today, you can. Why? His grace. For reasons you and I can't fully articulate. His salvation, choosing you and me that we might be alive. I mean, if that doesn't put a thankfulness and gratitude in your heart, nothing will. Remember Jesus Christ. You know, as the sun in our solar system easily provides for seven plus billion humans and billions and trillions of creatures and living things. As the sun easily provides energy for all such things, Jesus Christ is the sustaining power and the all-sufficient one. He upholds the universe with his power, Hebrews 1. And in him all things hold together, Colossians 1. All things were made through him and was not anything made that was made other than Jesus Christ. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light has shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, John 1. 
Remember Jesus Christ. He is the son of righteousness. He is the fountain of life. Wherever his beams reach, they bring life. Jesus Christ is the perfect sufficiency of glory. He is the son of the soul. Can we be honest right now that too often we go to Jesus, listen carefully, everyone home right now, overflow, too often we go to Jesus to get something from him. We treat him like a vendor. You say, Jesus, um, good to see you today, Jesus. I'll take, I'll take one good job, please. I'll have uh, a peaceful home and give me um, a good night's sleep on the side, please, Jesus. That would be really great. And that's often how we approach Jesus. We come to him and we think, whatever you can give me in my present temporal life, that's what I need. We fail to understand the blessing in this life is Jesus himself. He is blessing. He is fulfillment. He is the answer. It's the person. It's the power. It's the glory of Jesus Christ. You don't need something from him as much as you need him. He's the one. You will never, ever be filled with the presence of Jesus Christ and feel like you need anything else in this life. Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Remember he's alive. Remember his glory, his perfection, his goodness, his satisfaction. Remember Jesus Christ. Again, he is everything, inexhaustible in grace, all-sufficient, unlimited in power. I love John chapter 6, after the feeding of the 5,000. And the people are so enthralled with the fact that this man, Jesus, produced bread to satisfy their physical hunger. All they wanted after that point was the physical bread. And they said, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You see that? So many of us even. I want the physical bread. I want the physical thing. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You're missing the whole point. I am the bread of life. Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, man. Like, you remember him. You will never, ever be disappointed. Remember, Paul's in prison writing this right now. He's packed with joy. How is that possible? Because he's packed with Jesus. Think about that. No matter where you are, what's been done to you, where you find yourself, you can be packed with joy because you're packed with Jesus. Because you're packed with Jesus. That is, that is by far the greatest encouragement you and I can receive today is to remember Jesus Christ. Because when we love him and remember him, there's just nothing else we need. Nothing, nothing else we need. Encouragement number two. It is impossible to imprison the word of God. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now take heart, this case. The encouragement train keeps coming. Now we look at verse 9. The gospel for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. What a great verse. Paul has suffered because of the gospel. Paul is in chains because of the gospel. But even in verse 9, you can almost feel his faith. You can feel his excitement. You can feel his conviction. And, what, and what's Paul's conviction is this. You can never imprison the word of God. Notice the exclamation mark at the end of verse 9. 
That is there, again, not put by men, put by the Holy Spirit in the original. It is there for emphasis. Paul's like, Timothy, you got to know, be encouraged, my son. Be encouraged. Nothing will ever imprison the word of God. It's so encouraging. It's impossible to imprison his word. What a great word for us today, huh? What a great word for so many, so scattered, so isolated, so fearful, so wondering, potentially so discouraged to know that God, God's word will never be bound. How many over the years and centuries have predicted the Bible would disappear or be destroyed? How many have hated, opposed, and burned the word of God over the centuries? And yet generation after generation, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God stands forever. It stands forever. Loved ones, be encouraged. No book has been more opposed in history than the Bible. And as the quote goes, the Bible always rises up to outlive its pallbearers. John MacArthur shares in his commentary that in ancient Rome, there were 600 miles of catacombs under the city. 600 miles of the city of Rome. Nearly all of them were dug by Christians. Ten generations of Christians used them over a 300-year period for meeting places of worship. A common inscription found on the walls of the underground in the catacombs was this. The word of God is not bound. Praise the Lord. And you can just turn to your neighbor right now and just say, that's awesome. Go ahead. Go ahead. Through the mass. Turn to your neighbor and just say, that is awesome. That is awesome. I love the inside at home. You make sure they do that too. Okay, wake the person up beside you or something like that. All right. You say, that is awesome. What is awesome? Listen up, man. Listen up. All right. This is good stuff today. I love the insight here too. Okay. As Paul writes these very words from prison, he is literally petting the word of God. He is literally, by the Holy Spirit, petting the word of God, and he writes, the word of God is not bound. Now think about that. Here we are, 1,900 plus years later, in a continent currently or presently by Paul, unknown to Paul at that time, and here we are with open Bible and a nation called Canada in the year 2020 being transformed and changed by the very word of God that Paul wrote in prison again almost 2,000 years ago in a place he would never possibly conceive would ever exist. And he writes, but the word of God is not bound. Bam, you see that? That's the faith. We can look back and we can see, look at how God is so true to his word. Changing lives all over this place. It was a French philosopher, Voltaire, who disdained Christianity and hated the Bible, and it was reported that he predicted with a hundred years of his lifetime, the Bible would be diminished and would go extinct. And I searched this up because I've heard conflicting stories. I searched this up in detail this week, and I verified in a wonderful twist of providence, 58 years after his death, Voltaire's house would be used to house and store Bibles again from the Bible Society in France. I just, I just, I just, I love that so much, right? The Bible is by far the best-selling book of all time. Second place isn't even close. Why? Because God wrote a book. And when God writes a book, it tends to do well. It's true, right? The best-selling book of all time, of course, because God wrote it. He's not going to waste his time. Loved ones, be encouraged. It is impossible to imprison the word of God. Two quotes for you I want you to see today for your encouragement. Bernard Ram said this, 
a thousand times over, the death knell of the Bible has been sounded. The funeral procession formed, the inscription caught on the tombstone, and the committal read, but somehow the corpse never stays put. Praise the Lord. Here's another quote by Charles Spurgeon. The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do and let the lion loose and it will ravage its end. Well, that was my insert, I'm sorry. And the lion will defend itself. The word of God is not bound, man. It's impossible. It is impossible to imprison the word of God. What a shot in this arm and the arm this is for us during this season. You can't stop the word. You can't stop the gospel. As Martin Luther's great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, he says and writes, The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. Amen. The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. Again, Paul was saying this as God's word was being written, and now we can look back. We have 2,000 years of proof that it is impossible to imprison the word of God. Encouragement number three. My suffering is not in vain. My suffering is not in vain. Look at verse 10 now. I really hope you're being encouraged. Do it, Lord. Do it, Holy Spirit. Bless your church. Bless your church. Here, overflow, watching at home. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, hey, Timothy, Timothy. See what he's saying here? He's like, Timothy, my suffering for the gospel is worth it. My suffering for the gospel is worth it. Why? Because by it, others will be saved to glory. This is the same Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. For these light and momentary afflictions are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. See, see, Paul is such an inspiration filled with the Spirit of God because he looks at his life over and over again and he looks at his hardship and he looks at his suffering for the gospel and he weighs the value of his suffering compared to the value of other lives receiving eternal life as a result. And he's so quick to say, if I suffer now, it is so worth it compared to the weight and the value of souls being saved for eternal glory. This is his theological math. This is the lens he's always looking through. My suffering is not in vain because my suffering for Christ is resulting in other lives being saved forever. Rescued from death and eternal hell apart from God. My suffering then is so worth it I endure everything for the sake of the elect. It reminds us of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For our labor then is not in vain. Of course, Paul wrote that too. Notice his powerful theology here. He says, notice, I am willing to endure everything for the sake of the elect. For the sake of the elect. Paul knows that God is always saving Loved ones, like just, just think about that. God is always saving. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it. God is always working. He is always saving because God has his elect. 
Paul loved the doctrine of election. I love the doctrine of election. I can't fully understand it, can't fully explain it. It's one of those things. There's the responsibility of man, and there's the sovereignty of God when it comes to salvation. But I love this doctrine. Watch this for Paul. One of the greatest accusations against the doctrine of election is that it limits or diminishes evangelism. Does it diminish Paul's evangelism here? Uh, No. If anything, he's like, I endure everything. I completely give my entire life for evangelism and the gospel. Why? Because I know God is saving the elect. It doesn't diminish his evangelism. It like increases it a hundredfold and he gives his very life towards it because God has promised that God is saving people all the time. So Paul's ultimate conclusion here is suffer now that others might be saved and they will rejoice, verse 10, in the eternal glory with Jesus Christ. Man, that's such an encouragement right now. That's such an encouragement to know our suffering for Christ is not in vain. You know, it's a good time to look at our lives right now, isn't it? And to say, do I have suffering in my life on any level for the gospel? Am I willing to double down in that regard? To endure everything for the sake of the elect? Just think about that for a second. It's a powerful point of theology right now. And it's a powerful point of application that I'm willing to sacrifice myself in order that others may hear and be saved in the gospel because in the end, the eternal weight of glory that people will receive in salvation in Jesus Christ, oh, what a day that will be. Lord, help us to release the temporal to live more for the eternal. Here's the reality, man. This is all under God's grace. It has nothing to do with, again, our giftedness or or, or our, you know, kind of like our reward, whatever. But just think, in heaven, in heaven, how awesome will it be? All to the glory of Jesus Christ. But you will meet people, and they will come up to you. And listen, you never knew this. But your life, and when you sowed that seed that day, when you spoke to me in that way, you will not know. But God's grace was working through you. And through that time, God led me, and I was saved. And I am now in heaven for all of eternity. Those conversations are going to happen in heaven. And can you imagine if you went through your entire life in Jesus Christ, and you didn't have one of those? But rather to have hundreds of those. And to meet people, all they're saying, listen, no glory to you, glory to Christ. But Christ chose to use his church to spread the gospel. And you can have conversation. I mean, what a moment that will be. And that's going to happen. Think about it. Dream about it. Pray about it. How awesome that is. Think of all the people Paul will greet in eternity because of how his life was used and the suffering he went through. But the glory that Jesus received from it. Wow. You know, William Tyndale, one of my heroes of the faith, William Tyndale was used to produce the first English Bible from the original Greek. And he did it under immense persecution. One of the famous quotes that Tyndale has said was this. He says, speaking to a priest said, if God spares my life, I will cause a boy that drives the plow to know the scriptures more than you do. He was so convinced. Getting getting the Bible in the hands of everyday people in the common language. And God would allow Tyndall's life to be used this way. However, Tyndall would pay with his life for getting the Bible into the language of the people 
into English. And it was when he was finally tracked down over 12 years and he was translating the entire time. His impact is just immense. He was deceived. He was betrayed by a supposed friend. He was brought. He was tried. He was strangled and about to be burned at the stake when he cried out, Oh Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Two years later, Tyndale's prayer would be answered as the king permitted the English Bible to be distributed throughout the land. Now think about that story. Think of how that story summarizes in such encouragement for our first three encouragements today. Think of how that again summarizes our passage today. William Tyndale translating the Bible into English and think about the whole premise of that, that people might know and remember Jesus Christ. Think of how the story of William Tyndale right there is such an awesome example that you can't imprison the word of God. It's impossible. You can try. You can try to burn it. You can try to banish it. But at the end of the day, here we are. Think of how awesome it is that Tyndale's life is such a summary and example that his suffering is not in vain. Do you know that like 80% of the Bible we hold in our hands today was the work of Tyndale? Like today! I mean, for Tyndale in the 1500s to be strangled and about to be burned at the stake, oh Lord, open the king of England's eyes. If any way he could envision 500 years later us sitting here now with a work in English that is predominantly of him, no way is his suffering in vain. No way can you imprison the word of God. And the whole point of this is that we might remember Jesus Christ. The whole point of this book is that we might remember Jesus Christ. You think he has one regret in eternity of how he was used of the Lord? Not a chance. How encouraging that is. How encouraging that is. Remember Jesus, you cannot imprison the word of God. My suffering is not in vain. Encouragement number four. You can take God's promises to the spiritual bank. You can cash that check. You can take God's promises to the spiritual bank. Look at verse 11 now. Hey, Timothy, this saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is likely, this section here is likely part of an early Christian hymn. It is absolutely packed with promises, again, that you can cash. Look at the first promise there. If we die with Christ, we will also live with Christ. So, if we die with Christ, we will live with Christ. When we are saved in Jesus Christ, listen carefully, we are crucified with Christ. The old man, the flesh, has been crucified. We are dead to sin. Now listen, if we are dead to sin, then even if we die, we shall live. If we die, we shall live. And notice the Bible yet again telling us perspective, eternal life, the resurrection life. You cannot die. No guilt in life, no fear in death. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the promise of God. You take that to the bank today. God wants you to cash it and live it. Promise number two. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. Look at this, the call to persevere in Christ. Why? Because if we persevere, then we will reign with Jesus Christ. Right? 
the theme of this entire epistle. Timothy, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. And then the next verse. But there is for me, right, waiting for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will award to me on that day, and also for all those who loved his appearing. That's awesome. Think about that. Timothy, I endure, I fight the good fight. I keep running the race. I keep the faith because the Lord is going to award to me on that day the crown of righteousness, reigning with Christ forever, which will be given to me, Timothy, and you on that day if we endure and persevere to the end. Help us, Lord. What a promise that is. Hey, do not let this truth, do, do not sit here today and listen to these incredible, awesome truths and just let it go in one ear and out the other. I mean, do not let that happen. Chew on this, pray on this, drink this in, man. Eat it up. But then notice here, notice our God true to his nature of character and justice. The promises now get sobering the next two. He says, here's a promise. If we deny him, he will deny us. Okay, notice this, Ready? God is true to his promises in life, eternal life. And God is also true to his promises in death. Who's that for today, right now? Who's that watching right now? Like sometimes it's easy to say, you know, God promises eternal life when we love that part. And say, awesome, it's absolutely true. But God also promises that if we reject, if we do not believe, if we deny him, if we hate him, then he will deny us. That's a promise. And you can bet on that promise as well. His promises in life, but also his promises in death. But see, right now, Jesus Christ offers forgiveness for anyone who believes in him. All your sins forgiven. Grace poured on you. If you bow your knee, confess him as Lord, and live for him. You, you are saved and redeemed and therefore you don't have to fear this promise right here because you have not denied him. You have loved him. You have embraced him. You have believed in him. And then notice promise number four. Even when we are faithless, that's meaning um, for those who are unbelievers, those in apostasy, even when we are faithless, God's character remains unchanged, okay? So the last part there, notice this. God will remain faithful to his promises to believers eternal life and faithful to unbelievers eternal death. These are the promises of God that you better believe you can take again to the spiritual bank. Loved ones, be encouraged today. Be so encouraged today at the opportunity, at the joy of Jesus Christ to remember him but also in the seriousness of what it means to follow him and the hyper-seriousness of what it means to reject him. Lord, would you encourage your church today? Lord, encourage your church today. Fill your church today, Lord. Holy Spirit, help us before we do anything else to remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ more than anything else. God, I pray right now for homes watching. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill, fill those homes. Like, just, just fall upon, God. Would you, would you just completely bring tears of brokenness and repentance to people's hearts and eyes? Lord, work an overflow. Working here right now. God, would you do that? 
If anything we do in this life to remember Jesus Christ, God, help us to be so encouraged that the word of God, the gospel, will never be broken. The word of God can't be in prison. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter a pandemic. It doesn't matter violence. It doesn't matter if governments rise. It doesn't matter. The word of God will never, ever be broken, ever. It'll never, ever be diminished. You can't imprison it. God, encourage us to know that every minute, every second we spend and suffer for Jesus Christ will never be in vain. Encourage us with that, Lord. Spur us on to be used by you. Raise up men, women, and children in a new way, in an awesome way, in a glorious way right now. God, help us to see, help us to see right now too, Lord. Help us to understand the power, God. Help us to be so motivated and encouraged that every promise you make, every promise you make, we can cash that check. That's why, Lord, you've given us the spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Lord, encourage your church. Let's bow our heads. Just be still. Bow your heads where you are. God, we don't deserve it. Would you encourage us today? You have, and I pray you will. God, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But we ask for more of you. We ask for more grace. We ask for more awareness of your love. We ask for more of you. You're the answer. More of you. Lord, touch every home, call people back to you. Renew, restore, reignite. Light the fire again. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, church, call to him. Call to him. Ask him. Pray with me in this, would you? Pray with your elders and pastors and leaders in this church. Pray with us right now. The Lord will do something extraordinary in our time, in our midst. Oh, Lord, we need you. Pray use this time too, Lord, not just another song. I pray for a time of response. I pray for genuine hearts opened, singing, filled with love, adoration. I beg this of you, Lord. I beg, I know you hear, I know you listen, and I know you love. So we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and respond.